It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of our content at Facebook. You can like us there. You can review us. Anywhere you get podcasts, you will also find Locked On Packers. That's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts, you will find the Locked On Packers podcast. And if you want to get in touch with us at the show, you can do that on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. That's 920-341-3775. And we're going to get to the L.A. Rams scouting report today. That is the point of our Thursday show. Tomorrow we'll get to the injury report. Uh, The entire team practiced on Wednesday. And that's a Thursday practice. It was a padded practice. Aaron Rodgers was a full participant in practice. There were a number of players limited. But a, a lot of those players had not been practicing. That is Jair Alexander, Geronimo Allison, Randall Cobb. So the fact that they practiced at all is a step in the right direction. This is easily the healthiest this team has been in a very long time. And to the point where Ryan Wood, who, who covers the Packers for at thepackersnews.com and the Green Bay Press-Gazette, said this was the healthiest he could remember a team in midseason for the Packers since 2014. So I think that gives you a pretty good idea of where Green Bay is with its health. And they've found some guys to step up. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has stepped up and given them quality time at receiver. Equinemius St. Brown, same for him. And Byron Bell has been good enough at right guard in the absence of Justin McCray, who is back as a full participant in practice. Nick Perry also taken off the injury report. So those guys are as back to 100% as you can be at this point in the season. But before we get to the scouting report, I want to address this again. And we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, but there was a lot of frustration that I fielded from fans on Twitter on Wednesday in particular. And it was it was partly because I tweeted out uh, a response to a Colin Cowherd take. And in some ways, I regretted doing it because I do think part of the the job of someone who talks on TV and the radio for two, three hours a day is to say provocative things. And Cowherd has, has been on the corner that for as great as Aaron Rodgers is, the team hasn't done enough uh, to help him. He's also at various times criticized Aaron Rodgers for the things that he has and hasn't done. Um, and at some point, You just have to say, well, I'm just not going to address it. But on the other hand, I do think it's important to hold those people accountable because they have big platforms. And one of the things that he said was, you look at the Detroit Lions, they make this trade for Damon Harrison for a fifth round pick. Uh, The Vikings in the offseason, they sign Kirk Cousins. And the Bears obviously make the Khalil Mack trade. 
And, and his point was, well, Green Bay isn't being aggressive. And I responded with the laundry list of player moves, free agent signings, and trades that Brian Gutekinds made in his first offseason. And there were a lot of, of fans who took issue with that. And there were a lot of fans that agreed as well and, and are happy with the job Brian Gutekunst is doing. But there were a lot of other fans who were, frankly, just frustrated that the Khalil Mack thing didn't go through. I, I don't know how many times I need to reiterate the, the, the reporting that's been out there that what happened was the Raiders locked in on the Bears and the Jets and the Packers were never given the opportunity to negotiate with Oakland that Oakland only discussed a trade really with the Bears. That There were offers and there were some discussions, but there were not true negotiations with any team but Chicago because Oakland decided the Bears were likely to have the worst pick of that group, even with Khalil Mack. Okay, that's a side. Then you look at Damon Harrison. That's a defensive tackle. Was Green Bay going to trade for one of those? No, they have the best interior defensive group in their division. They have arguably the best in the conference, depending on how you feel about Indama Kinsu and how much you feel Aaron Donald is above the guys that, that Green Bay has. The Rams probably have the edge, and I would say they do if you ask me, but Green Bay is close. The Vikings signed Kirk Cousins. That's great for them. They were a quarterback away. Well, Green Bay has their quarterback. So what, what I find so frustrating from fans is they say, well, I want you to make a move. Sign somebody, trade for somebody. Okay, I agree. Go make the team better if you can. But here's the problem. A team has to be willing to part with useful assets. A team has to be willing to say, here is a good player and here is a reasonable price for that player. Just trading to make a trade doesn't make you better, although it might mollify the fans who are asking for that trade. Do you think Cowboys fans were super happy to give up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper? Because I can tell you that from the from the, the media that I know who are fans, they were not super pumped about this. And, and the, the bloggers over at SB Nation that do blogging the boys, they were really excited about the Amari Cooper trade until they saw that compensation. Is Green Bay going to send away a first-round pick for a player they have to they have to spend $14 million next year? who is not an elite level player? No. So this idea that they need to just make a trade to make a trade doesn't make sense. And they certainly shouldn't make a trade just to make the fans happy. Would would trading for Patrick Peterson make this defense better? I said this. Yes. But what do you have to give up to get him relative to his impact on this team? When the Packers get Jair Alexander back, They'll have a deep quality secondary. So it's not just does Patrick Peterson make this team better. Objectively, he would. But then what are you giving up and how much better does he make this team? There's a, there is has to be a difference. Okay, so let's quantify it. Let's, let's think about this like in Madden terms, okay? So let's say the Packers secondary right now is an 80. I'm just throwing a number out there. Let's say they're an 80. With Patrick Peterson, what are they? An 85? A 90? Let's say they're an 85. What is that five quality points worth? And is it commensurate with what it's going to cost 
to get Patrick Peterson because these high-impact players who are available via trade don't grow on trees. And these high-impact players who are available in free agency, many of them were signed at huge premiums. Malcolm Butler has been a disaster in Tennessee. Tremaine Johnson, I would never have have advocated Green Bay sign Tremaine Johnson at the price they got him for. No way. And and coincidentally, one of the players I thought Green Bay should sign in the offseason was Bashad Breland, and they did sign him for the veteran minimum eventually. Now, that was after a, a wonky situation, but they still signed him. And you look around at the other players that were signed. Yes, they should have signed a safety. A lot of Packer fans wanted the, the Packers to sign a receiver. Well, Allen Robinson got paid a boatload in Chicago. By the way, Jimmy Graham has more receiving yards than Allen Robinson. And Trey Burton and Sammy Watkins, all of whom were supposed to be high prize free agents in the offseason. And guess what? Jimmy Graham, statistically speaking, has been better than all of them. So I understand this, this being upset that Green Bay didn't get Khalil Mack. But there were extenuating circumstances. It wasn't that they didn't try. And you can say, well, if they would have put the two first-round picks on the table to start with, Oakland would have said yes to that. You don't know that. The Raiders have proven that they are reckless and irrational actors when it comes to personnel. So we can't say for sure. And in fact, we don't know if that was offered. So short of having that information, we can't be fair in establishing what was or wasn't given up or put on the table in that trade. So if you want to argue that Green Bay should have signed a safety in the offseason, I absolutely agree. But to say that Brian Gutekinds did not aggressively remake this roster, bringing in multiple starters via the draft and free agency, and free agency, yes, and free agency, and quality backups, Byron Bell has had to play snaps. Tremont Williams is a starting corner. Bashad Breeland may eventually have to play snaps. Antonio Morrison has had to play snaps with Oren Burks' injury. These are, these are aggressive moves and moves that Ted Thompson never made. So we have to keep that in perspective when we look at the totality of what was done in the offseason. No, they didn't make a single splash move in the order of magnitude of Khalil Mack or Kirk Cousins. I would argue Jimmy Graham has been just as impactful for Green Bay's offense as Damon Harrison will be for Detroit's defense. But that's not the point, of course. It is the totality of moves. It is every, And I, I tried to emphasize this. For those of you who are listeners during the offseason, I kept saying, don't grade the offseason on one move. Grade it on its totality. And in its entirety, in all of the moves combined, Brian Gutekunst did aggressively remake this roster to put together the best team that he could. The fact that they haven't played up to their potential is not necessarily the fault of the person who constructed the roster. A lot of that fault goes on the players and it goes on the head coach. And just like the Packers have had a little problem getting it across the line when they get in scoring position, if you have some problems with performance or confidence in bed, I have a solution for you. It is BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-improved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... 
They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. Chew.com with the promo code Locked On to try it free. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one to punch to keep your one to punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's get into the scouting report of the Los Angeles, formerly the St. Louis Rams. And let's start with the offense because that is the much stronger of the two units. This is the number two offense by DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. In football, number three passing, number one running team in the league. And they're one of the most balanced teams in the league. As the as the league has gone to a more pass-heavy look, the Rams have said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to focus our offense around Todd Gurley, And we are on pace, the Rams are, to shatter the play-action record in the NFL in terms of percentage. More than a third of their passes, and in fact, nearly two in five, nearly 40% of their passes come off play-action. It would be the most in league history by 10-ish percentage points. That is a huge number, which means Green Bay is going to have to play disciplined. And they may just end up saying, much like they did against Chicago, you want to run it all day? Great. We're not going to we're not going to get you play action on us and we're not going to let you throw it deep on us. And if they can do that successfully and and Sean McVay can stay patient, maybe they will go away from the running game in the way that Chicago did in week 1. And it it is worth pointing out. Football Outsiders measures variance. So that is that is basically consistency. Are they great all the time? And interestingly, the Packers on offense are the least variant team in the league, which is to say they're the most consistent team in the league. Whereas the the Rams, who put up a lot more yards, a lot more points, and who are much higher in these rankings, not much higher, but higher, 
They're 22nd in variance, which means they're inconsistent. And when you watch them against San Francisco, you see that inconsistency last week. They they should have won that game. I mean, they, they ended up winning it by multiple scores, but in the first half, it, it was close. It was one score. It was 10 points. And that was against C.J. Beathard. That was with some turnovers. And it took all those turnovers to get them this big lead. It took some special teams plays, blocked punts. And you can't expect to get that against a team like Green Bay. And so from that standpoint, this is not a great red zone team. Much like the Packers, they've had some struggles in the red zone. They rely on big plays. And that that is what happens when you rely on big plays. There is some inconsistency, but here's the thing about their run game. It's really good. So that's why when you say, okay, well, we'll just let you run it. Well, this is the best running team in the league in part because they're the number one offensive line in football. Adjusted line yards, one of my favorite offensive lineman stats. They lead the league in that. Uh, They have the number one pass blocking offensive tackle combination according to next-gen stats. Um, They're one of the best teams at getting to the second level in the run game. And they're really good running up the middle, and Green Bay has been really bad. Now, they got outflanked against San Francisco, not outworked and not, not out-hustled, not out-blocked. The, the Rams are not a, a get-to-the-edges team. They, they love to run off tackle. Well, that's where Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels live, and so that could be to Green Bay's advantage that that is where the Rams like to go and it's one of the places Green Green Bay is really good at defending but it's going to be a tough task to keep Todd Gurley in check most of the day now not having Cooper Cup in this game is huge because about 40% of the passes that are that are of the production that come against Green Bay in the passing game comes out of the slot and so if Robert Woods is playing in the slot he is their best pure receiver Although Brandon Cooks is their most talented player, their biggest deep threat, Woods has been in the slot. He is not as good in the slot as Cooper Cup. So to get Woods on on Jair Alexander would be a huge plus for Green Bay because Woods is playing a little bit out of position. And Alexander, when he's been healthy, has been really, really good. He's going to have to play disciplined because there's so much in the motion that, that this team has, and and it may be more advantageous for Green Bay to have Jair consistently cover someone like Brandon Cooks because he might be the only guy who can run with him. Although, I will say going back and re-watching some of that 49er game and, and looking specifically for it, Kevin King played Marquise Goodwin much better than I thought he did on deep throws. He, he had that one on the sideline where he gave up a little bit too much space and, and Goodwin caught a deep comeback on him. But... Over the top, King has been really good. So I think Green Bay secondary might be in, in a better position than they have been most of the season to, to come into L.A. and, and do a, a solid job against these receivers. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger 
a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. And then you look at this team defensively, and uh, they are right now 10th overall on defense, 7th against the pass, and 24th against the run. And one of the things we talked about yesterday with Bear Motter on our Crossover Wednesday show was this is going to have to be a day where Green Bay establishes the run. And one of the things that I think they need to do a little bit better job of is running on first down, which is a weird thing to do. Teams that are struggling offensively, usually it's because they're too predictable on early downs. Well, Green Bay is too predictable on early downs, but they're too predictable throwing the ball. They throw the ball the second most often of any team in football on first down. But their offense running the ball has been extremely efficient both in general and on first down. And so Green Bay getting a little bit better balance on early downs would get them in better down and distances for second and third down and make their play action much better. And they did such a good job against San Francisco doing that. They averaged 7.1 yards per attempt on the ground on 14 first down runs. That is incredible. And it led to averaging over 12 yards per attempt through the air on first down because they got the play-action game going and were able to get some big plays. The the other side of this coin, though, is this team with Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib is very good at handling number one receivers. They're a top 10 defense defending number one receivers. But as you go down the line, they get gradually worse. They're an average team defending number twos and a bottom team defending number threes. This could be a huge game for Geronimo Allison. It could be a potentially big game for Marquez Valdez-Scantling if they're going to do that. So let's say they play a lot of their games in 11 personnel, three receivers. Well, that's going to open up the field for that third receiver, and it would still allow Green Bay to get their run game on track. Matchup-wise, Devontae Adams has been great against every cornerback he's faced. He's faced a, a, a murderer's row of corners and gotten off on all of them. And so I don't think Green Bay should worry about Devontae Adams. You've got plus matchups at the other spots. So play your 11 personnel, live your identity, and just run the ball a little bit more. This offense can can do some things against this defense. And, and I think San Francisco presented an interesting model because the Packers basically didn't go at Richard Sherman. They basically left him alone. Well, the Rams, when it comes to defending the, the different parts of the field, one of the best teams in football defending the right side of the field, that's Marcus Peters. But they're, just a, they're a below average team defending the middle of the field where guys like Randall Cobb and Jimmy Graham do their best work. And they are a bottom team defending the left side of the field. And so that could be a place where they line up Devontae Adams a ton and give him an opportunity to just go eat. And so if if Green Bay, who, as I mentioned, the least variant offensive team in the league, um, much like their, their offense, the Rams, they are also a high variance defense. 
They can be really good at times, and then they can give up drives at times. And we've seen that in games against good teams, games against Denver, games against Minnesota, games against Seattle. The Rams have given up points. They've given up yards, and they've played close games. I understand that this this offense is outstanding and the defense has created a bunch of turnovers. I don't think that Green Bay is going to go into L.A. intimidated. I don't think they're going to go into L.A. and turn the ball over a bunch. And I think the defense is going to play well enough to give Green Bay a chance to win. The question is, can they do it? There are some matchups here for Green Bay to exploit. They have to play better. Aaron Rodgers said this. They have to play better than they have if they want to win this game. But that doesn't mean they can't do it. They just have to play better. They have to play up to their abilities. And they don't have to play a perfect game. They just have to play better. And they can win. I truly believe they can win. I certainly think they can cover. I picked them to cover yesterday. I will pick them to cover tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, we will have our injury report for Friday. And I, I wish we could we could extend this into the weekend, but that's just not a feasible thing because that's when we'll have a, a little bit better idea of what the injury situation is. But who knows? Maybe we get a trade. Maybe something happens with the Packers um, or around the league, and, and we'll have to talk about it in conjunction with that injury report. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Always able to ask me questions there. Hit me up anytime. Also, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Go like us on Facebook. Go subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Go see us on Spotify, Google Play. Tell Alexa to play Locked on Packers. Tell your Google Home to play Locked on Packers. And hit us up at the Locked on Packers fan hotline. That's 920-341-3775. And let me know how you are staying locked on Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.